Welcome to Get the Balance Right, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs who challenge the status quo. I'm your host, Heather Zeitz-Wolf, and I'm on a mission to help and inspire visionaries to grow their firms with a keen focus on their triple bottom line. Join me for conversations with purpose-driven leaders, business disruptors, CEOs, and renegades in digital media, marketing, advertising, and design. everyone. Welcome to another episode of Get the Balance Right Podcast. I am your host, Heather Zeitzwolf. On today's show, we have guest Lee Lefevre. He is the co-founder of Common Craft and also an author of two books. His latest one is called Big Enough, Building a Business That Scales with Your Lifestyle. He is also the author of The Art of Explanation, Making Your Ideas, Products, and Services Easier to Understand. He and his wife created what became known as explainer videos. You've probably seen them because they went viral. When Lee set off on his adventure to start Common Craft, he wasn't exactly sure where the road was going to take him. His business is built around he and his wife. They never wanted to grow. They wanted it to be just them. This was the inspiration behind his new book, Big Enough. Big Enough is not your typical business book. If you are an entrepreneur, I think you'll really enjoy this because it has a lot of the struggles that comes with being an entrepreneur. All right, here is my interview with Lee Lefevre. Lee Lefevre, thank you for being on my podcast today. Oh, it's awesome to be here, Heather. For the people in the audience who don't know who you are, can you just explain a little bit about yourself? My name is Lee Lefevre, and I co-founded a company called Common Craft, and we make explainer videos that are used by educators. And I'm also an author of two books. Uh, one of the books is called The Art of Explanation, and my newest book is called Big Enough, and it's a book about our sort of unique approach to entrepreneurship. I've been enjoying this book. The book is called Big Enough, Building a Business That Scales with Your Lifestyle. I love how you talk about how when you first started your business, you weren't really sure exactly what that was going to be. Was that pretty scary for you just to just start this adventure? Yeah, it's always scary moving from having full employment to starting a business because there's always a time of not knowing what's going to happen. When Common Crash started, it was 2003. And I was really into online communities. I'd been an online community manager at a company and I had a lot of passion and a lot of knowledge, but in terms of knowing how to run a consulting practice, I didn't really have any of that. So I had to learn on the job. So that was the scary part. I felt fortunate that I was passionate about something. That's probably one of the most important ingredients. And thankfully, my first clients were very gracious in how they dealt with a new consultant. So what was the inspiration for writing this book big enough? I think that we've always been focused on the future and what was next and what the trends were and things like that. And I think that there's a lot of people who are now questioning the idea of whether or not a big business is what they want. <laughs> there's a lot of entrepreneurs that love being in business, but trying to have a startup that's the next unicorn is just not as appealing. But the problem is that a lot of small businesses that do well and have a, a good lifestyle, they never make the business pages of newspapers. They're never in the, in the magazines. You never hear about them because the stories are relatively humble. And I think that our story is relatively humble. But at the same time, I felt like what we were doing because we started early on was somewhat different and revolutionary to me, at least, that I didn't know these things were possible and they're actually working. And I wanted people to know that. And, I, and today I want people to be inspired because I do think it's a healthier approach to business. And by writing the book, I could share that story so people could hopefully be inspired because they wouldn't know about it otherwise. I've actually been telling people about this book and they've been, oh, I haven't heard about this. I'm going to buy this. Oh, good. I love to hear that. That's great. I appreciate that. In the book, 
you talk about you didn't have the greatest video equipment and you felt uncomfortable on camera and then your wife came up with this brilliant idea. Can you explain a little bit about that? After working with, with companies about on online communities for a few years, YouTube started to be a big deal and social media was also at the same time becoming a bigger and bigger deal. And Sachi, my wife, joined the company. So we became a two-person company for the first time and had a little bit of bandwidth to try some experiments. So we said, what if we explained these new social media tools like wikis and blogs using video? Maybe we could put them on YouTube and that might help Common Craft Consulting. And so we started this project without having any experience at all. We just dove in doing what we could. And I tried being the talking head guy in front of a whiteboard and that was a failure. And Sachi, who is really a, a problem solver for us in almost everything, said, why don't you just put the whiteboard down on the floor or on a table and point the camera down onto the whiteboard and then use hands and markers and pieces of paper to explain it that way. And we were like, wow, that's worth a try. And within a month or two, we had created a new style of video that is now called Common Craft Style. And the first videos we made were viral hits. And what I say is like 2007 version of, of viral anyway. And it changed everything. It changed our lives. Suddenly we were known as video producers and got hired by big companies and started offering digital downloads of our own work. And it was just a really crazy time in our lives for sure. That was in 2007. And your artwork is pretty original. Who does the artwork? Um, I do. I always have. I, we didn't really set out to have our own sort of visual brand, but it came out of necessity. Our, our artwork is very simple. The figures, the people don't have hair and facial expressions. They don't usually have hands. And honestly, it's probably just through necessity. I didn't want to have to learn how to draw hands. I think that does play a role in the videos because the videos are meant to explain something. They're not uh, meant to portray a real life person. So by keeping them very low fidelity and very simple, we keep the focus on the idea, not on the people. When you're explaining these different pieces of technology, how do you develop the skills to explain it so well? I think part of it is perspective. I've always been passionate about communication. That's like Online communities were an early expression of that. I think I'm really sensitive to communication. I think it, it, sometimes I have to work a little bit harder than other people to understand. And that makes me really sensitive when things are not very understandable. And I always think those are the words that you chose. Those are the words of all the words. Those are the words. So I've always felt like I could explain things better, maybe because of that. I think the perspective matters a lot and thinking about who the video is really for. I think when people know a lot about technology, they find it hard to explain it because they actually know too much. They have a hard time empathizing with the audience and can't get out of their own expertise enough to, to make it understandable. So I try to stay outside of it all. Do you storyboard what you're going to explain? Yeah. Yeah. The way our process works is we think about what video we want to make. We have a tool inside Common Craft. Common Craft is a membership service that educators use, and, and they have a little tool inside there that allows our members to suggest and vote on video titles. So that's where our titles come from. In part, it's not all of them, but we've done dozens and dozens of videos that were based on suggestions. And we start with writing a script that's usually about 450 words long or so, and then Sachi and I edit and iterate. And then what we actually do is use PowerPoint or Keynote for storyboards. Each slide of the deck is a scene in the video. And we use that for arranging the visuals and we have the script on each page. And that just becomes a really simple way to work through it. And it allows us to get a feel of the flow, like a good storyboard should. Wow. My husband is actually in e-learning and he works with people that went to school for instructional learning and all this kind of stuff. But what was your path to this? It really was just wanting to explain things better. I wanted at the time, 
for people to adopt social media. I, I was convinced that it was a positive force, which maybe I could think differently about that now. But in 2005, 2006, it was a really amazing time to be involved in social media because there was so much potential. And I wanted to play a role in helping people adopt it. And I thought the quickest way to adoption was through understanding and, and maybe creating explanations that helped people see why those things mattered. And that, that's always been our perspective. It's not about how do I write a tweet? It's about why does Twitter matter? Like, why should I care about this thing? It's like building mental models instead of tactical how to do something. And that's always been how we've looked at it. Hey, entrepreneur, are you stressing out over your cash flow? Are you always confused by your bank balance? Well, you know what? You're not alone. Lots of business owners struggle with this, but you don't have to. I'm Heather Zeitzwolf. Besides being a podcast host, I'm also a CPA. I can help you get your cash flow under control so that it's predictable and so you're profitable. Learn how by setting up a discovery call with me now. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. In your book, you talk about some of the jobs that you've had working with some big companies like Google, but then you also address the aspect of intellectual property. Can you yeah. go into that? Yeah, sure. I think that there's probably some in the audience that just rolled their eyes because intellectual property sounds super boring, but I actually think it's incredible. I think because our business is based on licensing our videos, which means giving people permission to use them professionally, our entire livelihood is based on copyright law. And the way I look at it, is it's a right to make copies. And if you think about it that way, then anything that you create, whether it's a photo or an essay or a formula or a recipe or whatever it is, the moment you create it, you own that copyright by default. You can always file it with the government, but you own it and the court will side with you if someone tries to take it from you. And that means that you have a right to make copies and you have a right to sell those copies. Once you understand that, then I think you can start looking at your own expertise and the things that you create and produce and think about, yeah, sure, maybe I could give this away Maybe I could find a way to do advertising with it so I could earn advertising revenue or sell it directly. And copyright is the legal framework that gives you that power. It's the same thing that makes Microsoft, for instance, such a huge and successful company is they don't sell their products directly. They sell a license. And I call that the, the business of permission. It's earning a living from giving people permission to, to use the things you create to solve problems. In your book, you talk about how the demand for your videos was so high that you actually started allowing people to advertise onto your site. We were really lucky to be the sort of first movers in the, the space of explainer videos on YouTube. We're known as the pioneers of the explainer videos on YouTube. And that meant we were the first movers. So we had all kinds of companies coming to us every day, like literally five to 10 emails a day from companies that wanted um, custom videos from Common Craft. And we're just a two-person company working from home. We couldn't handle that demand, but we, we we're also business people. So we thought maybe we should try to find some way to supply this demand. A number of creative agencies were starting to do their own versions of explainer videos. And we could have seen them as, as competition, right? How do we compete against them? How do we crush them and maintain our market dominance and, and that kind of thing? But again, we liked being small. And instead, what we, we went to them or I went to them and the ones that were doing the best work and said, hey, here's the thing. We're getting a lot of demand at Common Craft. We want to share that demand. And so here's the deal. If you pay us a monthly fee, then we'll put a listing on a page that we call the Explainer Network. And it's a listings of other Explainer producers. And then any leads we get, we'll send there. And then they might pick you out of the list or contact you. And uh, you can have a relationship with them. And it's just a flat fee 
every month. And they signed up and we had those explainer network going for many years. And it was the first time that we had earned that sort of passive revenue. Or once that relationship was signed and the ad was up, then the money arrived every month. And it was mind-blowing that was possible. And it taught us something that kept being a part of our whole reality with Common Craft is when there's competition or when the, the environment changes, not always trying to fight against it, but finding ways to go with it finding ways to change what you're doing to adjust, to actually make it an opportunity instead of a threat. I love that. Hey there, this is Heather. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. And if you are, if you wouldn't mind, please hit the subscribe button now. That way you'll never miss an episode. All right, now back to the podcast. Even though the changes in technology with video and all of that, your videos have but stayed totally on brand. Can you explain to me about just wanting to stay small and not growing? It seems like the crux of it. It is. When we had all that demand for custom videos, and those are videos we would be hired to make, we were burned out. We did those for a, a year and a half and realized that in order for Common Craft to grow, doing those kinds of videos, we would have to hire. We'd have to have basically build a creative agency and have teams of producers working on those videos. We had plenty of demand to do that. We had a, a brand that was related to that and we felt like we could do it. But a question came up and I think it came from Sachi was like, yes, we can do that. But is that really what we want to do? What if it works? This is the question that we ask. What does it do to our lives? What does it do to our relationship? What does it do to, yes, we might make more money. There's money there. But we agreed early on that we wanted to make money. I think money is important. We wanted to, to serve customers and build a loyal customer base and that sort of thing. But we saw a chance to take a different path that was a trade-off, that as we we're doing those custom video projects. At the same time, we were licensing our original videos, like videos that explained wikis and blogs and social networking and started to offer digital downloads of those videos from our website. So that created this whole path where a video was a product for us, where we could make a video once and make copies of it and sell it multiple times. And we had a choice. We could go this one direction and make a lot more money, but we would have to build a bigger business and have employees and go down that road. On the other side, there's licensing where it's self-service right from our website, 20 bucks a video. And we said, you know what, let's put all of our eggs or most of our eggs in the smaller basket where we don't need employees. We can just stay small. And, and honestly, a big part of that was thinking that we're a two-person business. We work from home. We're around each other all the time. If we're not careful with the opportunities in front of us, then the business could suffer and our relationship could suffer. And if those two things suffer, then what's it all for? Like, why are we even doing this? At that point, we decided that we would have a constraint regarding Common Craft, and that would be that we would never have employees and we would always work from home. And that was in 2008. And now it's 12 years later and we're still operating within those same constraints. Wow. So do you not even have like virtual assistants or anything? We have contractors that help with the website. We do work with designers and web developers. And we have a couple of people that we use sometimes on video content that are just subject matter experts, but we produce all the videos. We run all the content on the website. We do all the newsletters. We do everything really. That was by design. Independence and happiness are really the big goals for us. We don't want to answer to anyone and want to be totally masters of our domain if that's not too much of a, a used term in another way. That's really amazing. I mentioned before about finding ways to work with the competition and try to go with the flow. Part of that is that we, being a small company allowed us to be very agile, that we can change on a dime. We don't have to have a, a board or a committee or somebody that has to approve it. We just decide. And one of the things that happened 
a few years ago that some of your listeners might've seen was there's a number of tools that work within the web browser that allow you to make animated videos just by moving things in the browser window. And one of the first, and and honestly, one of the best, they're they're partners of ours. So I'm a little biased, but it's called, it's now called Beyond. It used to be called Go Animate. But when those platforms first came out, we were like, huh, now everybody can do these. Is this a threat? Like, how do we think about this? And what had been happening in the background was we started licensing our artwork, which I just discussed a little bit ago. So we have, we now have close to 3,500 images in our library that all match and our common craft style. I, we saw Go Animate doing well. So I went to them and said, hey, we have the thousands of images. Let's work out a deal where those images are hosted within your tool and you pay us a monthly fee or a yearly fee to have them there. And then it allows people to make common craft style videos within Go Animate. And they agreed to that. And that was years ago. And we still are, are partners with them and there's still people doing that. And that's one part of a, a bigger picture, which is that we decided that it wasn't worth it to try to prevent people from copying us. Like it had, especially early on, it happened a lot, but being a small company, we didn't have teams of lawyers and sending cease and desist to, to people. And plus it wasn't our culture to do that. We started licensing our cutouts. We worked with Go Animate. I, I wrote a book called The Art of Explanation, which I think you have there too. And that all reflects this decision by us to not try to protect our look and feel, but actually encourage people to be inspired and to do their own explanations. And so that's something that a lot of business people, I think, that don't think was necessarily smart at the time, but I feel like that that is actually the model that it's going to work more in the future. That's excellent. You're putting out this energy towards others. This is a positive thing and encouraging others to utilize your look and feel. I think that's wonderful. It seems like it's just you're putting this out into the universe and it's going to come back tenfold. I hope so. It has come back some. I'm always hoping for more, but we are big believers that I wouldn't call it karma necessarily, but we are big believers that if you put good things into the world, then it's going to come back in a good way. That's so cool. On a different note, what are some new technologies that you're excited about? Being a video producer, I try to keep my eye on things that are out there. I see you're using a green screen, but there's a tool called, it's hard to say, mm-hmm. it's M-M-H-M is the tool, but it's dot app, mm-hmm, dot app. But it, it does the same thing you're doing there with the background, but it gives you all kinds of tools for managing the background and it allows you to share videos and like PowerPoint slides behind you and things like that. And it makes this kind of thing like a daily show feeling where you could have a talking head and then a window that you can manage however you want. And you can have multiple people and it's just a neat thing. And, and then there's another one called Descript. Oh my God, I love it. When I discovered Descript, I was like, why has nobody done this before? Because it seems revolutionary to be able to edit a video via words. More to it than that. But I was like, this is amazing. So I haven't had a chance to experiment too much with it. But those are a couple of things that I think are neat right now. That's cool. I just had somebody that told me about Process Street and I had not heard about them. And I just did a demo with them. And Mm. it's just, it's very exciting. It's like carbon, but it's more bare bones. Mm. But anyways, yeah, Process Street. Okay, Uh, cool. I found out about Notion and I've been using that. There's so many cool things out there now, huh? Notion has a free version too. Do all kinds of cool things with it. Yeah, awesome. Pick people's brains about what technology they're using. Can you tell the audience a little bit about how they can learn more about you and how they can support your endeavors? Yeah, sure. So Big Enough is the book and the Big Enough website is bigenough.life. 
So you can find it there. The home of my writing and where you can also find the book is my name, leelafever.com. I'm one of the lucky people who has uh, a name with no competition on social media. So you can find me at leelafever um, on Instagram and Twitter, for instance. Uh, and my company, Common Craft, that we just talked about is at commoncraft.com. That has a membership. Is that how that works? Yes. So we offer memberships that are annual or monthly, depending on how you want to use the videos and have a, a library of videos that teach safe, productive, and responsible use of computers in the internet. And we do that via explaining technology in a unique way that is not about how to do something, but why it matters. For your videos, you mentioned that your members will oftentimes tell you the titles. When you're going to try to figure out a new video, does your members drive that? Or do you kind of look at what new technology is out there and try to come up with a new concept? Yeah, I think it's a combination. It definitely is. We've used the suggestions, you know, for probably a third to a half of our library so that they've been a huge contributor. But we also keep an eye on what we call the zeitgeist. Like what is important right now? What are people going to want to be explaining? And what that means right now, like just this morning, we had a discussion about the next videos we'll produce. And we tried to put ourselves in the position of of educators. And what do educators want to teach? And what what do they want to see their kids learn? And it's not necessarily the curriculum that's defined by the the school district. That stuff is useful for sure. But just as a, a preview, We're looking at doing some videos that are about soft skills. So what does it mean to be a a part of a team? Like, how do you become a team player? What does it mean to be for to be inclusive? What does inclusiveness mean? Things like compassion, even what does it mean to be a compassionate or kind person? And I think those are soft skills that, again, there's no point and click to it. It's really about uh, building a mental model and a perception of what it is. So I think we're moving in that direction now. Oh, that's really cool. Lee, this has been so great. Thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Yeah, it was great being here, Heather. I appreciate it. Hey, this is Heather. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you found value in the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave me a rating on iTunes or just simply tell a friend about it. And if you're interested in learning more about my profit advising and coaching, please set up a discovery call by using the link in the show notes. All right. Thanks so much and see you next time.